0: Find out how to integrate your faith and work and make your work more meaningful and fulfilling by heading to our podcast sponsors website, workmatters.org, workmatters.org, workmatters, proud sponsors of the I Work For Him podcast.
1: Hey, welcome to I Work For Him today as we're broadcasting to you from Rancho Mirage, California. This broadcast has been possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online at FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today in the first half of the show, we're going to be talking with Bill High from The Signatory. Make sure you check him out online, TheSignatory.com. The Sign- tree.com bill hi welcome to i work for him well glad to be here we're excited to have you
0: bill we always ask this question of every first time guest on the show how did you come to be a follower of jesus well a long time ago i didn't grow up in a christian home but we had a family down the street who had come to know christ through a church plant and they brought us a children's bible storybook and that children's bible storybook is really how i experienced the person of christ for the first time so the stories of god So that was, I mean, so your family wasn't a Jesus
1: following family up until that point in time.
0: I didn't know what a church was, had never heard of a Bible, didn't know anything whatsoever. But it's just a crazy story. But the, somebody planted a church in our little town. It was like 100 Where people. Where was that? Waldron, Missouri, Waldron. right outside of Kansas City. So, I mean, it wasn't too far from the from um, the center of the city. But somebody said they'd plant a little church in our town. They did. And the first converts were our neighbors two doors down. They they got on fire and said, hey, we're going to bring this family that they took pity on a children's bible storybook you still get it at walmart today that's fantastic that's very cool
1: so at what point in time in your life as you're growing up in your faith at what point in time in your life did you connect that make that connection between your faith and your work knowing that god really cared about both of them being intricately connected
0: well, you know, I was fortunate because I had somebody who my older brother became a Christian through the navigators and I was able to um, uh, get discipled early on. But when I was 17 is when I felt like God was calling me to tend the flock of God. Okay. And so I always had a mission mindset. So even when I first started work, it was always this idea that mission and work went together.
1: So you had a mission mindset, yet you also have a money mindset, a numbers mindset. So how did you learn to balance? Where did you go to school and where, how did they help you connect that mission mindset with all of the, the knowledge you have up in your head?
0: Well, I was like a lot of kids. I went did my undergraduate work at the University of Missouri and got a degree in education, taught school for just a little bit. And then I went to law school. So law school is actually one of those places where God began really training me to think differently. But then as I got out and practiced and saw what the practice of law was like, I really saw how people could get uh, really taken astray with the idea of money. So uh, by the time we moved off into this foundational world, we saw this very strong connection between money and faith and finances.
1: What do you mean people can be taken astray with money? What what, what do you mean?
0: It can become their end. I mean, you know, Alan Barnhart talks about this idea and you see it all throughout scripture. Jesus warns us about this idea of letting money become our idol. And if you don't invest in the things of heaven, then you're not going to have anything that lasts.
1: So talk about that impact on you. So did you grow up with money?
0: No, we were dirt poor. My so, da- my dad died when I was twelve. There were six kids, wow. so you can do the math. It was very difficult. My mom had to raise us pretty much, and uh, it was a hard life. So you didn't grow up with money. So that
1: I mean, typically kids that don't grow up in money, when they get money, they start to realize, "Wow, I want to I want to live in a way that I didn't grow up. I want to I want to be different than when I grew up." How do how did you capture or keep the money from twisting you?
0: Well, there's, in my mind, there's at least five essentials that you've got to understand. One is that God's the owner of everything and we're just stewards. And then from that, that there is uh, accountability for our use of God's resources. And that accountability leads to reward or it re- leads to loss. And at the end of the day, you want to be a person that's going to invest in things that matter, things that last for all of eternity. That's that Matthew six nineteen through 21 passage.
1: You have had the opportunity to travel around with some amazing people and to share some amazing stories, but it was just recently in the last, it was a little over a year that you set up the ministry. You broke off your own ministry called The Signatory. Talk to us about that.
0: The Signatory is a donor advised fund organization. So today they the donor advised fund world is a hundred billion dollar world. Unfortunately, the Christian donor advised fund market is only 4% of that. So we know there's a lot of opportunity. Donor-advised fund world is we're like a big charitable bank. People create accounts inside of us, put money in, take a tax deduction, and use it to support the ministries that they want. So it's a fast-growing world, but there's far more opportunity up ahead. There's a $59 trillion wealth transfer up ahead, and so we need to capture some of that for the sake of the kingdom. So what does it look like to capture it? And Martha,
1: I'm going to come to you next. I'm sorry. I can't, I'm, <laughs> no, that's I'm okay. So excited I'm, about just, what I'm enjoying hearing all this. <clears throat> How can we capture it? Because it seems like okay. So if a hundred billion dollars right now is in donor advised, fund, advised funds, and you know, what, let's step back. Tell people what donor advised funds are. Because there's some people listening today that haven't heard some of our shows when we've talked about that. What is a donor advised fund?
0: It's just like a bank account, except it's a charitable bank account. You put money in and take your tax deduction, and then you log in just like you would with a bank account and pick what charities that you want to give. You can use it to support your local church. Um, a lot of people do all their giving through it. Just a year end, they get one tax receipt. So it's a pretty simple tool, that's why it's growing so fast.
2: So one of the things, just to kind of break it down for um, our listeners, is that say they know they have some money that they want to give, but they haven't yet decided how to where it's going to go. That's really um, a starting point in a lot of ways, right? For the donor advice fund to say, you know, I I don't need to hurry and make a decision, but I want to get it. uh, And you know, I want to. put it in a donor advice fund, and then they can make decisions of where it's going to go and direct you guys where to send that money.
0: That's certainly one way that Mm -hmm. you'll see people here year-end. People will come up and they'll have some appreciated stock and they'll want to drop it into an account so they get the tax deduction. So about 50% of what we do will take place in the month of December. So they got the tax deduction, but they've got time to decide where to give it.
2: But then you guys are helping them. Are you you encouraging them to still give it away, though? It's not just to sit there as an investment.
0: Very few of our people just sit on it for any length of time. So typically the in the donor advised fund world the distribution rates only about 10, 15%. And for most of our people they're given 50 60, 70 percent of those money. so it's going right back out to Excellent. the kingdom.
1: Excellent. So, tell us about the signatory. Tell us about what that, I mean, what are you doing with the signatory?
0: Well, we saw an opportunity in this donor-advised fund space to be able to encourage people to think differently. Sometimes in the generosity space, we have maybe gotten uh, lost in the idea that generosity in and of itself is good, and it is, but it's even better if we come generosity with impact. And so we wanna encourage people to write the last check. That's the vision. The vision is write the last check to solve the world's greatest problems, whether that's fulfilling the great commission, the last scripture translations, to end trafficking and the like. So that's some of our big idea. So the word signatory is your signature is your legacy. So we want people to sign on to a great legacy. So who's a great client for you guys? Uh, oftentimes it's the business owner because the business owner are those people who maybe they're looking at a sale, uh, but any given year, just like Martha, you talked about, they're running to year end at December 20th and they're trying to figure out their tax liability. Mm -hmm. And so they need to do something rather than writing out 300 checks at year end. And we've seen that happen before where people write all kinds of checks.
1: So you've got a passion for funding kingdom prospect or or projects, but you also hang out with a guy named, I don't know, people may know him, David Green. And you've helped, you've actually helped the Green family write, I don't know how many books, I've read at least four or five of them that got your name on them. They are a family that really understands um, generosity, generational wealth transfer, things like that. Talk to us about why you hang out so much with David Green.
0: Well, I mean, if you Google most influential Christian business owners, David Green's going to show up on that list. So David's been a great example for me and we become great friends over these years, but he's an example for what's going on, certainly in the Christian world, but also among Christian business owners, people who are challenged by this idea of God's ownership and God's stewardship because David and his family have given away the stock of Hobby Lobby. They don't benefit from it personally. So we've seen countless business people be influenced by David's testimony and his story. And so that's our goal It's just to encourage and influence influence other business owners with whatever god has for them
1: it's an amazing story and, we, and martha and i get to hear it at the ark earlier this year in april as you help pull that story out of david and it really is just an encouragement hey here's a guy that's that could potentially be worth billions of dollars and he's like no it's not mine this is for god what are we going to do with it when we come back i really want to talk about that that generational wealth transfer that that family that multi-generational generosity thing when we come back you are listening to i work for him as martha and i broadcast from
2: we are in Rancho Mirage, California, Jim. And we're at the FCCI and Convene International Summit. And the um, the theme for this summit is pursuing excellence. And, you know, that resonates so much with us. And we just want to share that with our listeners because we believe that one of the core Um, things about being a um, light in our workplaces is to be a person of excellence in all that we do. And um, so we're here just hearing all kinds of speakers and and guests alike that are doing
1: the same thing. We're talking today with Bill High on the first half of the show. He is from a ministry called The
0: Signatory. It's a donor. Well, I'll let Bill tell you. Bill, what's The Signatory all about? We're a donor advised fund and we want to inspire biblical generosity and facilitate generosity to impact the kingdom. And you guys are out of Kansas city, but you can handle people from anywhere in the country. Right? Oh, we've got clients all over the country. And certainly we've got staff all over the country as well. And we're growing. Talk to us. I, I know you've got a passion for this generosity and
1: we'll talk to talk to our audience about how generosity impacts people's hearts, because it is, it's not a lot of people think, well, you know, churches don't talk about generosity much. They talk about, you know, giving, giving us your tithes, you know, and, and it's, um, it's different. When people learn to be generous, it really impacts who they are, doesn't it?
0: Giving can be very transactional. Write a check, you know, maybe get to your 10%, which we know um, our country doesn't do. I mean, generally right. speaking, giving's about two and a half percent of income right now today. It hasn't gone up in 40 years. But when generosity grabs a hold of a person's heart, we begin to reflect the character and image of God. And you look at Jesus, man, he gave everything. And that's kind of the goal is that we're fully surrendered to who he is. So, how does this signatory
1: help families? Not only, I mean, because you're working with people that have some money and some people that have lots of money. How does the Signature help families not implode because of the money and learn to be generous from generation to generation to generation?
0: Yeah, every family, regardless of whether you have money or not, still has the same basic issue. The problem really that we've had is that in our country, we've taken up this kind of retirement mindset. What a lot of people don't know is that Dell Webb, you remember that name? He should have built a <laughs> lot of communities, He right? was the 1962 man of the year, but the big deal Behind Dell was he. He uh, pursued this notion that you should be able to retire, and when you retire, is that you could live your life, and so it put family as kind of the second, secondary kind of idea. And we just believe that the biblical idea is that family should be from generation to generation. The promise to Abraham was not just for Isaac. It wasn't just for his grandkids. It was from generation to generation. And that's the biblical idea behind family. So that's what we're trying to encourage at the signatory is this whole idea is that people would live out this multi-generational view.
2: So instead of working with you as just being transactional, you're actually helping them get educated in that area or how are you teaching that to your clients?
0: We're encouraging families on that. So we're actually getting ready to release a video series and we're doing some things in conjunction with KA, Kingdom Advisors, Mm -hmm. where we're teaching everyday family legacy. So whether you have, you know, a billion dollars or whether you have a hundred thousand dollars, whatever the case may be, is we want families to think multi-generationally. Because if you think about it, Martha, what happens is if your family It's multi-generational nature. If they carry on with your set of values, a kingdom mindset, that's how you impact culture generation Mm -hmm. after generation.
2: You know, it, it's so true because we don't really think about it. We think, you know, it's set up in our culture, whatever. When one generation passes on, you know, there might be some inheritance. What do you do with that? Well, everybody kind of does their own thing, and there's nothing intentional. So you're trying to help keep that family cohesive in that area.
0: Financial inheritance is the last one that you should pass on. If we can help you and Jim pass on a set of values that are mm-hmm. kingdom oriented to your kids, to your grandkids, great grandkids, and kids that you you'll never see, Mm -hmm. it's far easier to impact the world that you live. I mean, think about it. You guys didn't set out to go have kids and so they could go splat, you know, and fail. Mm -hmm. And that's not God's design. So we really believe that God's design as your family should be multi-generational nature. Mm -hmm. And the generosity piece is just one part of that. Because if you teach your kids to be givers, Mm -hmm. to be generous in nature, again, they reflect the character and image of God. Have you ever seen an unhappy, generous person?
1: No, you don't. I mean, generosity transforms a heart. When you realize it's not about you and you realize it's not yours and you let it freely flow through you, it changes who you are. I mean, it just, it's just—it's a paradigm. Sh- it's a permanent paradigm shift. So we're talking with Bill Hy today as we're out here at the international summit in Rancho Mirage, California. Bill Hy, how are you living this out at home? What does this look like? You guys—you have kids?
0: We have four kids, have four two kids. grandkids. Two
1: grand. So how, your kids are range of age.
0: How old are? Our oldest is 28, down to 21. Two girls, two boys. My oldest daughter has two kids, and she's got another one on the way. Wow! Congratulations. So, talk to us about how you have passed all the stuff you've been learning along the
1: way. I mean, it's toughest with our kids. I mean, it's it's easier to teach other people's kids than it is to teach our own kids. How has you? How has all the wisdom God has given you about money and generational wealth transfer? How has that impacted your kids? How are they living it out today?
0: Well, there's some practical things that we tried to do. As we tried to live out a particular mission with them tried to live out a particular set of values and that's one of the things that we talk to families about is have your own family mission or family purpose statement okay. have your values articulated and the the uh, great thing about generosity is generosity is the great equalizer in families you can always gather your family together around generosity whereas you know if we said hey if brought your kids in and said hey let's talk about radio they may not have the same experience mm-hmm. but if you if they come come in and talk about generosity, they're, they're, they've got a level playing field. So with my kids, we've always worked on this idea of giving money away together. So we've done really? all kinds of things that have been a lot of fun. So we've done the $100 day. We give them $100 and between Thanksgiving and Christmas, find a place where God nudges you to give some to someone a need. And so that's had a big impact on our kids as they've seen that it, uh, lived out. Teaching generosity is one of those things that they have to see the impact it
1: makes. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I can really make a difference.
0: Yeah. My 16 or my son was 16 when we had a missionary come visit us. And, uh, she, she was, um, uh, talking to my 16 year old son and said, Hey, what do you want to do? You know, what are you passionate about in your life? And. We were sitting there listening and kind of in the background to see what he would say, which you would do. (laughs) The sneaky adult Yes. You're
2: like, oh, awesome. Somebody's asking this question. (laughs) Yeah. So if it was your
0: 16-year-old son, you'd really be listening. And the fascinating thing to me, unprompted, is he says, man, I just really love giving to help people in need. And like, we were like, wow, something stuck. And we've seen that lived out in this life, not just at 16, but consistently, even when he was at college, you know, I went to visit him and, you know, I gave him 20 bucks cause he's sick and needed to get some medicine. And so later we were like, Hey, what'd you do with that 20 bucks? And he's like. Well, I was at the coffee shop and I felt like God told me to give away that money. And, you know, his parents were sitting there, you dummy. (laughs) But it's like, hey, this stuck, you know, and that's what you want to see in your kids. And the, the scriptures are very clear that. What is it that a foolish son is a grief to his mother? Mm. On the other hand, when you see your kids carry out that set of values, you know the joy that that brings you. But you live it out first and foremost, we think, in that whole idea of serving and reflecting that character and image of Christ. Hmm.
1: So talk to us about you have because of your work with a lot of Christian business owners, you have um, had the opportunity to really make an impact in the faith and work movement. I mean, there the whole idea in the last 20 or 30 years of, of Christ following people out there in the workplace is really connecting their faith and the work. It, it's a it's a new idea. Yeah, that's a really old idea. And it's a really, really old idea. Where do you see that? The money that you are funneling through the signature to get out there to ministries, how do you, where do you see the faith and work movement going next?
0: it's, it's some of what's even happening here at FCCI. It's this whole idea is that we can become unified is that we can do some things together. And you're seeing this across the Christian space is that there's a great vision. I think where we can actually ask ourselves, what problems of the world can we solve together? And in many cases, it'll be those business people who will be able to come together and do that Mm because they're strategic thinkers. They have some of the capital available and we're seeing all kinds of stories like that. So we think the next great move, the next great wave in this faith and uh, generosity movement will, that, will be that idea is that we can come together and solve some of the world's greatest problems.
2: Do you run into a danger when you're talking with business people that they automatically assume that you just you just want their money? I mean, how do you overcome that and teach more on just generosity in general and not like, I need your money to you know do something with it? How-
0: yeah, we don't because we're really not asking for money for ourselves. They, they tend to view us much more as consultative to be able to help them. Now, there are some certainly, but uh, we're not necessarily the plan giving guys. We're not trying to plan their estates. I mean, we can comment on that, but we're really trying to help understand their passions. And if they do have a family and it's a family business is how to help that Mm -hmm. family business thrive and succeed. And then on the giving side, man, we just want to help fulfill their passions. And at the same time, sometimes they want connection to other people, other business owners. And that's some of the things, that's one of my greatest joys to be able to help make those kind of connections. Some of the work that you all get to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, we love making connections. We love seeing what God has been using you to do. As we see you go across the country, promoting generosity, because that's something that is going to make an impact when Christ followers adopt that. It's just great. So give 10 seconds of a word on why people should, where can people go to understand generosity?
0: Is there, is there a website that you love to send people to? Yeah, I, I write regularly. So if they go to my personal website, Billhigh.com, so that's okay. Billhigh.com, I write regularly on those themes of family, legacy, and generosity. So we have a lot of people that follow that. We think there's really good content. Some mm-hmm. of that reflects my thinking. Some of it reflects the thinking in the industry and certainly from scripture as well. Perfect.
1: Bill High. thanks for being and I work him this afternoon. Glad to be here. Appreciate it very much. Check them out online, thesignatry.com, thesignatry.com. As we've said, we're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Hey, the second half of today's show, we're talking with Dan Baker. He's from Helping Hands Charitable. I can't wait for you to hear more about this organization. We've known about him now for almost the entire year. We've kind of kept them behind the scenes. These are the people that operate behind the curtain, just like in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but we've got Dan Baker here to take. He's going to step in front of the curtain for just a little bit. You can check him out online, hhcharitable.org, hhcharitable.org. Dan Baker, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We're excited to have you here. So we always ask this question of every first-time guest on I Work For Him. How did you become a Jesus follower?
3: Wow. Early age, four. Uh, my father was serving in a church in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, I felt led to go forward and. uh just a regular service. As far as I remember, accepted Christ, rededicated my life again, when I was a teenager, just to ensure that I had understood everything properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I come from a missionary family, so I was raised in ministry. Um, grew up in the field, planting churches and hosting vacation Bible schools and kind of living out my journey that way. You know, a lot of people Mm -hmm. attend classes or whatever, we kind of get thrown into it and lead them. (laughs) Right. So I I did that for years. And then, um, through my young adulthood, I I didn't stay as involved. I attended church, but I didn't stay as involved in church as far as serving and stuff. And then I decided to uh, join choir uh, led a choir for many years and then became an elder at my church that we're at now. And I just love serving God and, uh, you know, following his path. Talk to us about how you got connected to Helping Hands Charitable. Oddly enough, um, at the church that I serve at, I assist in starting ministries. People come to me oftentimes with ideas, and then I'll, I'll challenge them to you know, put a business plan together, if you will. And a guy had come to me, and he, he said he wanted to start a, a men's ministry as kind of a follow-up to a retreat program that we were offering at our church, a way for the guys to dive deeper mm-hmm. as they came away with that kind of yearning that they could have the, the sustenance. And uh, so I said, great, you know, come back to me with a plan. And he came back to me with a plan that was very robust. He wanted to start curriculums and all sorts of things. And I said, "Let's start simple." (laughs) So, so we started with a men's study every other Thursday. And Brian Green, the CEO of uh, Helping Hands, attended one of those meetings. And uh, he was asking us some pointed questions after the meeting about what were our intentions in regards to 501c3 status, et cetera, and and organizing you know properly. And and he said, "Uh, "Why don't you have coffee with me and I'll walk you through the process?" We do that for. for companies and organizations around the country as part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just kind of went from there. I fell in love with what they do. Um, As he was telling me stories about how many people they've helped through the years, as well as how they come along companies and employers to create communities of generosity within the workplace. And uh, I started as a as a freelance kind of part timer and, and now I'm second in command with them running the show and taking this thing as far as we can go. So it's really a great, great thing.
1: So, talk to us then about what Helping Hands Charitable really accomplishes. You guys, it's not just one organization. You actually have a dozen organizations of things that you do. But I I want people to get a feel for how they can interact with you. Because, you know, we talk about the the intersection of faith and work all the time. You guys help business owners you help generous people to connect their faith with their money to make a kingdom impact Talked about how how do people interact with helping hands charitable found online hh that's
3: correct uh Phenomenal growth is an interesting thing. It can be either done organically through relationships or it can be done through marketing and and other means. And this is a a God story for sure. Uh, Founded 20 years ago and the growth up until about last year was 100% organic. There had never been one advertisement, never one sharing of data or information online. Uh, It had all been done through relationships with National Christian Foundation or other ministries focused on the family, et cetera, through Mm -hmm. the country. Um, and, uh, we had been doing gifting to individuals for 20 years. That's, that's what our specialty was, was which means what? So for instance, if a, uh, if a, a, a person has donated dollars, uh, it's very difficult to direct those dollars under the internal revenue service standards. So typically what they're done is they're given to charities, 501 C threes, et cetera, who are doing the acts of kindness. Well, every now and then there's a situation where you do need to benefit a family who had a fire or they, they totaled their car and they don't have the funds and somebody feels led to help them. Um, we have letters of exception in our ministries that allow us to work with individuals directly. So we answer a call that most 501c3s can't answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we become a real resource. And that's that's really the reason we're behind the curtain, because we're not really the facing of the donor or the facing of the recipient. We're the intermediary source, the third party provider uh, that works with that 501 C three that wants to deploy a donor's dollars. And then we kind of come in between, we do all of the due diligence. We do all of the relationship process through the gift uh, as it's delivered. Um, and there's many opportunities to pray with people and just, just nurture people through their tragedy or circumstance they're going through. So it's really amazing.
2: So I almost feel like um, if somebody just, I, I guess to make it really I'm going to make it really simple here, yeah. and it may be wrong, but this is why we do this, so the listener can get a better understanding of it. So, if I say, wow, I heard about this thing, and I want to do something, how do how do I find out if that's something you can help me do? Um,
3: so, through all of our, uh, if you don't have access to an NCF uh, um client, relationship manager, et cetera, Um, you can, uh, on our online portal, hhcharitable.org. there's actually an inquiry button where you can go in and create a little, hi, my name is da-da-da, and here's the thing I'm interested in. Is that something you can help us with? Okay. It'll go directly to our project manager coordinator at the office, Mm -hmm. and then she'll submit it to me for follow-up, and then we'll have a discussion and see how we can best service you.
1: Okay. So, are these typically big gifts, small gifts? I mean, what, what, what are the things that, what's in your niche?
3: So, we can see anything from a couple hundred dollars to um, a, a, a really extreme scenario is uh, rare cancer treatments mm-hmm. that are provided in Tel Aviv, Israel, where we have to provide... Sojourn there as well as care there, um, and donors feel led to help somebody go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which that, could can, be quite that can equal large sums yeah. of dollars for sure. Handicapped vans, uh, we have this um, niche where, for some reason, people call us on a regular basis for handicapped vans where uh, families have uh, paraplegic kids or something like that, and somebody feels led to give them a beautiful vehicle to help get the, the children or, or a loved one around easier. Um uh, so it can really be very extreme, you know, a couple hundred bucks to a hundred thousand hmm. dollars.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite part of what you do?
3: Um, the stories. I'm a story guy, and uh, when you hear about how uh Christ came through at this this twenty-third hour and fifty-nine yeah. seconds, you know, it's it's like uh it's amazing to see how communities come together and care. It truly is um walking out Jesus. In in our communities Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, growing up in church and serving in church, I I was so used to it in the church environment, but to see it in the general business community or just the community in general, it's so refreshing to be a part of that.
2: I think that um, you get to have a peek into the generosity of other people that usually that story's not even told because, you know, a lot of those people, I would guess, you know, or they're either doing it anonymously or they're doing it very humbly. They're not doing this because they want to be on the Correct. evening news. They're doing it because they see a need that they want to fill. So you guys really get that mm. that inside look on somebody's heart and how they've been prompted to move. Um so one of the other things that I'm just curious about is the reason that they would come with to you is because you can help them do it in a way that's going to be the most financially beneficial Mm -hmm. so that they can be more generous. I mean, a lot of it, we're not trying, you know, this whole conversation of, um, you know, doing it within the right tax codes and all that kind of stuff, but so that people can use their generosity to the greatest level. Is that true?
3: Sure. Yeah. We we basically do the heavy lifting so that they can enjoy the process. One of the things Brian always says to me is we want to make sure that our donors have a joyful experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you get bogged down in the technicalities, it's not joyful. Yeah. What you want to see is the end result. Um, so our team of 13 individuals, uh, we have an office in, uh, Washington state. We are, are opening an office in Florida and we have an office in Georgia and the, all of those individuals, that's their mission in life is to do the heavy lifting. Let mm-hmm. us do all the due diligence and manage all the details mm-hmm. to make sure that it conforms and all the receding will be done. You enjoy the process Yeah. and it really is, um, Just a wonderful experience Uh, to, to, to kind of go backwards a step. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks have donor advice funds in, 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 you know, foundations, et cetera, all over the country. And, and most of those funds go to um, 501c3s, charities, churches, et cetera. (laughs) Um, The way that we uh, work is we will help deploy those funds in the easiest manner Um, with all of the oversight stuff that we spoke about to the individual now one of the things we do prefer to do is pay um, bills directly so that there's some accountability there versus just giving a thousand dollars to an individual Mm, in cash Um, and the donors really appreciate that oversight because they know that the dollars are being used efficiently and correctly and
1: Tell us a story. Tell us one of your favorite stories recently of, of, of something you're obviously hiding the names to protect the innocent. But tell us a story that where you guys were able to facilitate some real kingdom impact.
3: Hey, we had a great experience recently at a, at a church, uh, and a donor came to us. Uh, a pastor had just moved there to take uh, a position in the church, and uh, he had a rather large family in one vehicle. He'd moved from California all the way across the country to take this new position. And his, his poor wife was trying to figure out how to juggle, how do I get my four kids around from school and whatnot while my husband has to have the car to be at church, and it just became a real frustration. And they were attending a small group at their church, and uh, a gentleman who was attending the small group as a a financial uh, planner. And he came to us and he said, look, I really feel God calling me to bless this pastor with a car. And uh, I was like, Hey, great. You know, we, we can do that. We've done cars before. And uh, so he told us how much he wanted to, you know, contribute. We opened a project. Everything in our mm-hmm. ministry is done through projects. Uh, and that way we can expose the um, cause to other people as well, not just the donor who came to us. Mm-hmm. So we'll share those on our websites, et cetera. And uh, so he, he gave us the, the dollars to fund the project. We were able to actually go to a business owner, a, a car dealer that attended the church. And they were able to help us source a car exactly like what he wanted, Mm. exactly the same color, exactly the same features, and for a great deal because they didn't mark it up as a Mm. dealer. They did it as a favor uh, for us, you know, contributing to a church member. So it was really a joyful experience because not only was he blessed to give, not only was the pastor blessed to receive, but we also blessed a a church member who was able to be a part of the process.
1: Hmm. We're at the International Summit and it's a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work and they're all just trying to pursue excellence in what they do. We're talking this afternoon with Dan Baker. He's from Helping Hands Charitable. You can find him online hhcharitable.org hhcharitable.org. Dan, you were sharing some a great story right before the break. You guys do so much more than handle just individual projects, though. You Aren't you guys working with companies now, too?
3: Yeah, absolutely. About 12 years ago, we decided to take the experiences that we had in benefiting individuals in times of need and sharing those stories with employers, especially in the faith community, because we do so much work with, uh, with faith-based owners because of our exposure to FCCI and C-12 and, and whatnot. And um, we found that people really responded well to the program. So, what we have developed over Over the period of 12 years is now a program that originally started with very small employers doing, you know, maybe 25 or 50 employees. And as of this year, we have 250 companies using our program. Uh, And from about 50 is the minimum employee size to we have one entity that has over 40,000 employees. Uh, So we've been able to take that message of generosity how we can help people in times of need create a program internally inside the company where charitable dollars can be dumped into a funnel, if you will, both from the company and from the employee contributions, almost like a United Way contribution where they'll get mm-hmm. a tax receipt for mm-hmm. their donation out of payroll. That'll pull up in a silo. And then when an employee has a time of need, a crisis, an emergency in their life, there's an application process that they go through. It's vetted, the due diligence diligence is done, and then we approve the project. When the project's approved, we actually pay all the bills associated with that project directly. Um, That way, everybody's comfortable with the process. Mm -hmm. The employee got the help they needed. The peers got to see that the program works. They believe in it now. It, it draws them closer to their employer because they feel their employer cares about them more, uh, and the company got the tax deductions and the things that they wanted to be a part of it. So it really is a beautiful thing.
2: That's really neat. So in a situation like that, I'm you know I'm always like the nuts and bolts kind of person, and yeah. as an employee who is contributing and being a part of that process, is the is the. Um some of the benefactors do they do the companies decide to keep that private or do they let them know when who they're helping
3: so uh, it's really based on an individual company um, okay. protocol mm-hmm. so so the way that we like to to market the program is that it's 100% customizable to you. Excellent. So some people may want to be very transparent in the mm-hmm. fact of have social media, you know, types of feeds to yeah. say, Hey, I, I shared with whatever mm-hmm. other ones, keep it very internalized and, mm-hmm. and almost Compartmentalized within like an HR structure, even though it doesn't fall under human resources, sure, it usually sure. falls under their outreach or community. But what type a great people.
2: thing for building community within a, an organization! Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So you're saying, you know, just like uh, people have in the past donated to United Way right out of payroll deduction, mm-hmm. they can donate. You guys help these companies set up their own little fund that they can donate, and that money then goes to help the specific needs of employees. <laughs> and you have a committee that helps
3: vet out those needs. Do you often find then the company does a matching? Yeah. In there? Yeah. Many times. Sometimes, sometimes a company will go ahead and seed it uh, with sure. 10 or $20,000. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll have that intention, but they'll go to the employees during the launch period. A lot of these larger companies want to do a launch. Yeah. So for instance, we have a company in California with 500 employees doing a launch this month, September, mm-hmm. they're going to do it through a big gathering that they do like a convention and, and they're going to promote it to everybody. Um, so, uh, a lot of times in that launch period, they'll put a marketing material out in the paychecks mm-hmm. saying, here's a new program that we're starting on this day for every dollar contributed by employees. The company will be do- you know donating $2 or something like that. And that will stimulate, even though their intent was to do it anyway, right. that will stimulate participation right. because, as you know, working with employers, participation mm-hmm. is, is the big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Give us an example of how that works. I mean, give it. You got any stories there on that that side of it?
3: Um, Well, it's funny because through the years, we kind of let the uh, organizations decide their own processes and best practices for implementation. You know, we give them the guidelines and the rule books so that everything conforms. And now what we're doing is we are actually organizing those best practices and coming back. So now when we have an initial conversation with a company, we'll actually give them a packet that has not only the bylaws, the guidelines of the step by step, but also sample scenarios of what our five best companies are doing to communicate with their employees.
1: Okay. So, let's talk about as we're talking today with Dan Baker. He's from Helping Hands Charitable. I really want you guys to check this out online hhcharitable.org hhcharitable.org. Dan, you guys have an opportunity to really funnel money into the kingdom, putting it into action. And it's not just money though. You guys are not afraid of any kind of gift and turn it into an in actionable money right? <laughs>
3: that, that is correct
1: that's an understatement <laughs> that,
3: <laughs> that is correct so we do we do uh special gifting uh processing for foundations all over the country uh the the largest of which is national christian foundation uh, we do non-cash gift uh giving uh so that could be anything from a from a Gulfstream five airplane to an old ferry boat that is no longer in service and needs a little bit of work to 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 re put Mm -hmm. it back into service Uh, from real estate both residential and commercial to precious metals and fine gems and art Uh, we've been able to touch pretty much everything and turn it into a tax deductible gift.
1: And Things you didn't even know existed probably. Crazy stuff. (laughs) Do you always turn them into cash?
3: Um, So those those items are always liquidated and turned into cash. Now every one of those gifts may have a different directive of how they want that cash deployed Mm -hmm. and at the time of gifting the donor will state how they, uh, sometimes they just say hey look I want to give this to you guys Mm -hmm. to use however you want to use it. Other times they come to us and say I want these to go back to ncf or i want these to go to this charity or or this cause or an orphanage in uh you know india or africa that kind of stuff right. so we we do what they want us to do but every now and then yeah they'll say look i just need a tax deduction you you, you use it for whatever you want to use it for
1: what's the weirdest thing you guys have had to uh turn from uh, uh, something hard asset into cash
3: wow Mm.
1: Or just something unique.
2: Doesn't okay. Have to be well,
3: okay. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you the coolest story. So, Charles Stan- Dr. Charles Stanley did a sermon uh, series one year, and he was talking about rubies. And he, he must've been discussing like heaven and, you know, mm. the walls of minerals and so forth. And uh, so, so all of a sudden Charles Stanley in touch ministry starts getting all these ruby oh, <laughs> De- jewel- jewelry, bracelets, ruby rings, ruby necklaces, He convicted
2: uh, them all <laughs> and,
3: and they reached, they reached out to wow. Brian Green and, and Brian Green was able to take all of those, get them appraised, turn them into cash and then give that back into in touch ministry. So it was kind of a really cool story. We application through sermon. Response by attendees. <laughs>
2: That's
1: great. So let's talk about to all of our iWorkframe audience, everybody who's got you know any kind of weird asset. These guys can turn that money into, turn that asset into money and get right back to iWorkframe. So That's you right. know, let's give us a specific examples. If let's just say you have a pet alligator, these guys can liquidate a pet alligator. No, is you there can. a
2: high <laughs> demand for that? I don't, I don't it may know not, that? It may not produce much tasty. cash. No,
1: but if you've got a car sitting around that you'd like to get donated and you like a great place, these guys. Guys can liquidate a car and turn it into cash for a ministry. Mm-hmm. You guys could. There's nothing that you guys None. can't do, is there?
3: Depreciated stock. Uh, the only thing that we don't like to do is is oil and gas uh, because most of the time when oil and gas is in transaction, it, we don't own it. Somebody else owns it. It's <laughs> it's kind of a. From hand to hand to hand, and it, it gets really sticky and messy. Oil and gas can be a really oil big debacle. is very sticky. And messy. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, the only time we would ever even consider that is if we actually claim title to the full shipment. Or, or so is
1: that true with any commodity? I mean, is commodity is just one of
3: those difficult. For some things, reason, too? oil. For some reason, oil and gas is the most difficult, um, and it so also has a trading price. It so, unless you're going to show very, up, very
2: unless you're going to show up at the office with the tanker, d- the tank. Yeah. Don't do it. One of of the
3: cool ones that uh, Brian has done is um, standing wood. So, you know, people have many, many acres of wood. And um, what we'll do is we'll go and find a uh, harvester, a lumberyard who will harvest that. We'll arrange for it to be taken down and we will replant to replace Mm -hmm. and then the proceeds are turned into charitable dollars Um, and then the costs of all of that service just come out of the proceeds right that way it doesn't incur cost directly to the donor Um, those standing trees had been there for years and years with no plan and now we gave them a plan right Um, so it's kind of a cool
1: that's very cool.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just ministered to some
1: people. There's people out there that have land going, I've got all these trees. I don't know what to do with them, And I, but I don't want to give up the land, but I'd
3: love to be able to give up the trees Yeah, and put and them into the action.
2: And make something mm-hmm. greater for the kingdom. And that's really what you guys are all about.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. One last plug, 10 seconds. Why people should be talking to hhcharitable.org, Helping Hands Charitable.
3: Well, you know, my, my thing in life is that uh, we don't know what we don't know. And I think a lot of people don't know the different ways they can give to the kingdom. So we're here to educate and facilitate. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. That is our specialty. Uh, So if anybody has a question, feel free to reach out. We would be happy to educate you on what can be gifted and how it can be gifted in a manner uh, that best benefits you
1: excellent HHcharitable.org. dan baker thanks for joining us today so and welcome. i work for him thank you HHcharitable.org. you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg as we broadcast from rancho mirage california our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i work for him, him.